30 years as an NHL official. He's an author, uh, analyst, uh, joins us as always every Thursday. Uh, Kerry, how you doing? Jason, I'm doing great. Just back uh, fresh from the Montreal Canadiens fantasy camp, and uh, most of uh, their players survived the, the trade deadline. Uh, not much activity for Montreal in a, in a really dismal season for them. Oh, yeah, no, not great at all. Uh, quickly, you have a favorite Elvis Presley song? <laughs> Since my baby left me, I found a new place as well. Oh, nice. Nice. So, wow, you ever sang that at karaoke? Uh, no. no. Only in the shower. Uh, have you ever sang karaoke? No, my brother is a singer and guitar player. He is fantastic. He got all the talent. I'm, uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I've got the big mouth. Oh, okay. Well, you don't have to have a lot of talent in karaoke. You just got to have a lot of guts. It's pretty much the way I look at it. There you go. Or be really drunk. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> yeah, that always helps, too. I, I want to start out, Kerry. The, uh, the orders played San Jose. And uh, I-, I think it's safe to say, um, well, the official missed the call. It's funny because I asked Matt Benning today what explanation he got from the official. You saw that play. First of all, uh, before I tell you what his explanation was to Benning, what did you think of the, uh, the, the Kane play on Benning? Well, it was shocking that uh, there was no foul on the play. Um, because of the, the tracking, uh, the, the lengthy approach uh, that uh, Kane took uh, in, in the you know, following Benning to the wall, uh, the position of the referee, Graham Skillator, that um, was turning but had his head in a position to see the approach, to see the stick on the back of Benning, to see the shove, and to see the hard crash into the boards. Um, I don't know why there would be no reaction on that play, uh, and ultimately it resulted in a turnover of the puck and uh, a goal being scored. Guess what his explanation to uh, Matt Benning was at the time. And I don't care. You've talked about it. You said the best thing to do is just say, you know what? Hey, yeah, I missed it. Because he, I'm sure the referees, like, you can't tell me. Now, maybe they didn't show the replay in-house, so I guess I shouldn't say that because it was on the, on the road. But if that's in Edmonton, maybe they look up, they see it. But when Matt Benning asked him, the, I asked him today, and Matt Benning told me, and I'll play the clip. He said uh, he told me it was a cross-check on the hip, not in the back, and I uh, didn't see it as a penalty. Is a cross check, wow. and Matt, he's like, well, a cross check's a cross check. What do you, hey, is that not just digging a deeper hole? Well, for sure. Uh, the, they allow a push, uh, which, again, in, in a normal kind of shove, you know, that we've seen that, that's now acceptable, uh, where it's down low on the hips and it's a shove. It's not a cross check. It's not an extension of the arms. And, the result has to have some some value in whether or not it crosses the line and the threshold as to being a penalty, a two-minute penalty, or simply a minute and a half and play on. This crash into the boards, when when even if it was a shove, when that result is as severe and as violent as it was for Matt Benning crashing into those boards from close proximity. The arm has to go up, whether it's a push, a shove, it's on the hips. But in reality, that stick uh, was above the waist uh, towards the numbers. It's a penalty. 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, and hey, I understand that you miss calls, but like to me, there, there's missing calls, Carrie, uh, that are maybe like uh, on, on a scale of one to ten, a one or two, and then there's ones that are right in front of a guy on a play like that where you see a player go head first in the boards. Like that's like a ten star missing a call. How's the evaluation process work? Like, are you getting downgraded severely for that, or do they look and just say, okay, it's one mistake? Uh, we haven't seen it a lot of time. How is that evaluation process working in the year for officials? Well, you know, first of all, this wasn't a missed call, and, and certainly based on the response uh, from the referee to Matt Benning, uh, it was a judgmental issue. It okay. was deciding that I'm not going to call this because it didn't cross my threshold as to what is a cross-check and what is a violent crash into the boards. So there's there's wording in the rule, okay. cross-checking, that certainly is part and parcel of that you know, violence crash into the boards. Uh, so uh, he deemed it not to be a penalty, so that's judgment. And I would rather uh, have a referee not see it than to see it and determine that something like that was not a penalty. So if I was grading the referee in that situation, I'd say, okay, we have a problem here between our judgment. Uh, this is a this is a penalty. You have to realize and recognize. We can discuss it, and and I'm happy to hear why you think this would not be a penalty. But I'm going to, at the end of this discussion, hope that you will come my way and uh, agree that this is something that has to be called based on the protection of the players and based on the language in the rule and the philosophy that we have for standard of enforcement. That being said, uh, to answer your question. This would be reviewed. It would be looked at. It would be uh, certainly um, in at this stage of the season as uh, mid-season evaluations are passed, and now we're into the final quarter here uh, for playoff uh, position and selection. This would certainly be something that the officiating department would look at. It wouldn't be a positive checkmark. When you were efficient, did you have, like, I know early in your career, I don't think you did, but later in your career, were you getting, like, does, is it once a month you would do an evaluation or was it was it at the end of the season? How often, you know, were referees getting talked about how good you were doing or, conversely, how bad you were doing? Well, we were, uh, when we returned from the first lockout, there was a lot of monitoring that was going on because we were in that new NHL and we were trying to extricate the hooking uh they called it obstruction, the restraining tactics through the neutral zone. So there were uh, video clips that were being sent out fairly frequently to all of the referees uh, and on occasion the linesmen so that uh, everybody could see the expected standard. There were good calls that were sent out and there were those that uh, needed to be tightened up. Uh, it's an ongoing monitoring process, it should be, uh, for all of the referees because when something like this is let go, and if other officials see it and they think, well, no penalty, uh, and there's no response from the officiating department, uh, they would assume that no harm, no foul. Um, that has to be uh, sent out so that everybody sees it, not to single out the official um, that, that makes that kind of a judgment, a poor judgment, uh, but so that everybody knows, hey, guys, this is what we expect to be called. That way, through one mistake and error in judgment by an official, the whole group benefits uh, from that. And, you know, it's all about getting better and being the best that you can be. 
and moving forward. So he's a young referee. Um, he needs to be coached. Part of the coaching is let's look at this play and have a discussion about it in a positive way, uh, not to beat anybody up, but just to move forward so that we're on the same page. Gary Fraser joins us uh, inside the Stripes NHL edition on uh, TSN 1260. And I agree, it's not about uh, a public shaming, but you, you want officials to learn from it. And, uh, you know, if they're not learning from it, well, then, you know, then you've got a bigger issue. Right. So I understand, as you said earlier, hey, I'd rather have a guy just not see an infraction than see it and deem that not a penalty when it clearly should be deemed a penalty. Because you can work because a lot of times if you don't see it, then you can say, OK, it's more about positioning. Correct. Because you can you can improve that. It's kind of hard to suddenly tell a guy, well, you got to improve your judgment like because your judgment should be good at that point. No. Well, that's true. Uh, but you know what? Um, the thing that I've talked about over the last few years is that with young referees coming in and they've been incubated somewhat in the two referee system uh, through the American League and college ranks and even uh, the major junior uh, leagues in Canada and the U.S. so that they don't know uh, really, they haven't had the experience of a standalone, I'm the guy, I have to make the call, the game's in my hand, it's mine to to, uh, help and assist, to provide a positive influence or it's mine to screw up and I've got to battle back when I miss something. Uh, so that sort of experience or lack of experience when they come into the National League, uh, and it's a faster pace, it's a faster game, there's a lot higher expectations and stakes. So when I see uh, th- these uh, younger officials over the last few years, I've had to question whether they know the difference uh, between a minor penalty and a major infraction. And there has to be a reaction. You have to know in your gut. When you see something like the play that we're talking about with Matt Benning crashing into the boards, you, you have to react instinctively. This is one of those ones where you, your arm has to fly up in the air because it's bad. It looks, the result looks bad. It was a push from behind with a stick in a cross-check prone position with some extension of arms, not a full extension, but there was an extension shove. And therefore, you, you have to know that, boy, this looks bad, and I've got to react to it because it's a penalty, and, and there's no doubt about it. And everybody in the building will defend that call. They'll say even the, the team that, uh, you know, the uh, visiting team that uh, the penalty was called against, they're going to say, yeah, you can't argue with that one. Go to the box. So I've seen situations where players have been hit from behind. And there's either been no call or it's deemed to be a minor penalty. And the resulting action from Department of Player Safety has been as many as three and five game suspensions where the referee deemed it to be nothing or a minor penalty. And that's not acceptable. You really have to know the difference and the value between each incremental upcharge on a penalty. You've got to know the difference between a minor, a major, and a match penalty. And those match penalties... When they happen, it's got to be in your gut. You go wholly blank. That is really bad, and there's no question it can be uh, defended. It's one that's going to be possibly uh, suspendable and definitely reviewed. So that's where we're at over the last few years, and there's been far too many times when uh, minor penalties or nothing is called, and the Department of Player Safety doing their job uh, and due diligence uh, from reviews, I get it, 
but when they're that bad that result in um, multiple game suspensions, the referees on the ice should be able to determine that as well. Kerry Fraser joining us. Now, Kerry, there's been lots of talk and, hey, cut down on slashing on the hands and different things like that. Do you ever have a memo cutting down on cross checks or hits from behind? To me, especially into the boards. I, I hate it. I don't know if I've, that memo's ever come out. Maybe it didn't. It was it was private. But ha- have you seen that? Have you heard of that recently? Because I still think it's it's an issue. It's not as obvious as a slash in the hands. Or, I mean, as, as prevalent as that is. But to me, it's definitely more dangerous. And it's very easy to call. You cross check it's pretty easy to see when a guy goes catapulting into the boards. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, the the use of, of video and, and clips is just, um, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, so when those kinds of plays and, and even when suspensions are levied um, from Department of Player Safety, they do a very good job uh, in the explanation uh, when they impose uh, a suspension. It shows different angles of the play. It, it breaks it down. So if, let's say, as I just spoke about, an official deemed it not to be a penalty, didn't call it, and now it's, it's a suspendable offense, the officials will all look at that. They'll all see it, and they'll say, okay, from a different angle or from this and that, or I have to be better, I have to recognize this, for whatever reason I didn't deem it to be uh, as bad as it, as it looks now, uh, I have to be better. And with that attitude, um, you know, it's it's one that players have, coaches have, and it's one that the officials need to have as well. Um, you have to be really blatantly honest uh, in, in your performance. Um, and, you know, we didn't have, when I started, certainly uh, video review and, and all the opportunity of even a lot of supervision. So... And I've spoken before, I would go back after every game and I would replay it in my mind. Uh, and even if the game went fine, there has to be something that I could have done better or to achieve a better result. And that self-analysis, that self-critique is really important. Once we started getting video uh, DVDs uh, at the end of each game from the home team, they gave each official one. Uh, there were times in the true referee system that I would fly with, with a young fellow, young partner, and... Uh, I would recall situations in the game that I, I certainly wanted to discuss and I wanted to review uh, personally, but also with, with the younger official. And we could have dialogue as we sat beside each other on the plane and pull up different clips. That in itself, where you can, you can self-critique and um, not be defensive. Uh, there, there's no room for defensiveness. You don't always have to be right. And if you get an official that thinks he's always right, you got a real problem. Yeah, I think that's a definitely a, a big issue. You know what's funny? I was at a Western Hockey League game, Carrie, uh, this past weekend in uh, Victoria. Watched two of them. And the officials in the Western League have their names on the back of the jerseys. But, <laughs> but not – and you know what's funny? Uh, I spoke to my nephew who plays in WHL. He said, oh, yeah, the, you know every ref just because of their name. Some of the order players after the San Jose game were kind of like, geez, I think that's the same ref that, uh, you know, uh, Connor said go upstairs. Well, it wasn't because I was Nicholson and Kazari. But the fact that the NHL players don't even know who the officials are, I just don't see how that's good for the game. Well, that's been a problem, uh, you know. And, and uh, I remember Shane Doan uh, coming to me in Arizona before a game and asking me the name of my young referee partner that night. And I said, why, have you had a problem with him? He said, oh, no, no. He said, I just like to call them by their name. 
to establish some, you know, rapport initially. And he said, I don't know any of these guys uh, with no name, number, and uh, visors and helmets. I just, I, I haven't had the opportunity, really, to get to know them. And he wanted that. And that's a smart captain's move. Uh, that's what I think uh, is lacking a little bit is personality. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, the officials would want their names on their back. They really do. Now, they don't want to be anonymous. Um, I, I, I think that communication value, uh, they can be a lot better at trying to establish rapport. That situation with Connor McDavid, uh, you know, into getting a 10-minute misconduct at the end of the game uh, in overtime, that just smacks of, of uh, a, a condescending attitude and some arrogance. Uh, and a lack of, of a, a development of a positive relationship between a player and an official. Uh, you have to work at it. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, w- without some solid communication and getting to know people uh, and setting parameters, you know, I, I certainly wanted to set the tone for a discussion, but I didn't want to be aggressive. I didn't want to be confrontational. I certainly didn't want to be inciting uh, with a player through my body language or, or my, uh, uh, my verbal commands, if you will, uh, and the, the tone that I set uh, with my vocabulary uh, or the, the uh, aggressive kind of way that we sometimes see and hear because of the microphones all around the rink, we hear exchanges that aren't really very positive between referees and the players. Carrie, as always, great stuff, man. I appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you next Thursday. I look forward to it. I'll tell you that, you know, the, the uh, trade guys uh, all sort of uh, chipped in. Uh, Paul Stastny got his first goal in his first game. Ryan Hartman uh, got the winner in the, uh, for Nashville, and Evander Kane had uh, certainly an effect uh, in his first game uh, as the San Jose Sharks. So sometimes trades and change of location uh, can certainly uh, really – a spark a player on, uh, and as we saw with, with those three uh, situations. Yeah, well, and Mark Letestu ended his 26-game goalless drug, scored his first game in uh, Columbus, and uh, Pontus uh, Aberg scored, uh, got an assist anyway, his first game for the order. So, yes, uh, lots of guys with a little uh, extra pep in their step, shall we say. There you go. Thanks, Carol. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Okay, Jay. Thanks, buddy.